Something that I love so much about the church, and when I say the church, I mean the church. I mean local church. I mean all Christians. I mean all of it. I love that everyone has a part to play. Every Christian, everyone who is a true Christian has a part to play. Everyone is important. When I was in elementary school, we always played football on the playground. And I didn't like it. I actually hated it. Not because I hate football. I really like football. But I hated the process that we took to pick teams. And it was the classic, everybody stands shoulder to shoulder on the playground, and the team captains, the popular kids, they were going to be the ones to pick their team. And, you know, there were always the, the few kids that everybody wanted. They were fighting over, I want him on my team, I want, I want him. I was never one of those kids that they were fighting over. That just wasn't me. And I didn't like it because I would sit there and I'd get down to the last few and then they would pick me and I'd go and then like they never throw me the ball. It's just, I didn't like it. It just wasn't a good experience. Well, in the church, there's nobody picking teams like that. In the church, there's nobody that's looking at you and your capabilities and saying, You're, you know, you stay over there. We want the more talented people. When you are a Christian, you're on the team and you have an important part to play. And that's it. God has given each of you a gift, a spiritual gift, and he wants you to use it. Every single person in this room has been given a gift, and God expects you to use the gift to serve him, to serve the church. So let's look at Romans 12. We're going to be in verse 3, 3 through 8. So let's read those together now. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul begins this passage of scripture by saying, the grace that was given. He references the grace that was given to him. And the grace that he's talking about is the grace that made him an apostle. Paul is an apostle, right? And he's talking about that gift that God has given him. He didn't do anything to deserve the gift of apostleship. God chose him to be an apostle, and with his apostleship comes authority that not everyone had at the time. And he says, I say to everyone among you, so by the grace given to me, he says, I am an apostle, and now I'm saying this to you. So what he's saying is, listen to me. This is important, right? Just like the verses prior, in, uh, in verse 1, he said, I appeal to you. It's a, it's a similar thing. This is all really important, and we need to listen. No one, no one who claims to be a Christian can escape what Paul is about to say. Everyone here tonight, everyone in the church as a whole that is a real Christian, this is for you. He says, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. 
everyone who is a Christian has been given a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit, and that gift should be used to serve God and the church. I know I already said that, but I said it again. To serve God and the church. And look, some of you, you know what your gift is, and some of you don't. Maybe some of you are thinking, I don't have anything. I don't have a gift, so I'm just going to tune out and not listen. Well, don't do that, because you have one, whether you realize it or not. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Talking about gifts, that entire chapter is talking about the gifts that God has given. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, first of all, if you're not sure, if you're like, ah, I've heard people talk about this, about spiritual gifts, I don't know, you've got to pray about it. Ask God to show you how he has gifted you. I had a, a student of mine in, in Georgia, um, she's in the seventh grade, and she was watching all these people around her figure out different ways they can serve the church, right? Her sister was a good singer, and her brother was, you know, just a people person, and she just, all these people just seemed to be blossoming, but she was getting upset, and she was just saying, I guess I don't have anything. I guess I don't have any, I guess God's not going to use me like that. I don't have a gift. Well, after she took time to pray about it and ask God to show her, God, what, have, what gifts have you given me? What can I do to help serve the church? She realized that she is and she's incredible with hospitality. This girl, this little seventh grade girl, she ended up being like the most like happy and, and smiley girl in the entire student ministry. And when somebody would walk in, she was there to meet them. She was greeting them. She's the reason why a lot of people ended up coming back because they met her. So she went from being insecure about this. I don't have a gift. I don't know what's going on. Well, she took it seriously. She started praying about it, and God showed her. And then she, it was just amazing to watch her use the gift that God had given her to serve God and to serve the church. So the first place that she went wrong with all of this, though, was she was looking at everybody else, and she was taking note of what she wasn't gifted with. She was saying, oh, I wish I could sing. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. We can't do that. That's not what God wants you to do. It's going to cause you to miss out on the things that you do have. If all you're focused on is what you don't have, that's all you're going to, it's all you're going to pay attention to. You need to focus on what do I have? What has God gifted me with? If God, I mean, if you, if you want to sing and you're not gifted there, don't just sulk about it and be upset. Say, God, yes, I want to sing, but you didn't give me a good voice, but you must have given me something else. You must, I, I know that you have because your word says it. So God, please help me to figure it out. Please show me what is my gift. Now, let's say that you take the next few weeks and you're praying about, God, what's my spiritual gift? What can I do? And you, and you can't figure it out and there's nothing going on. Well, if that's the case, then you probably have to go back to verses one and two. There's a reason why he put it in this order. Verses 1 and 2, all about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. If your motivations for service are that you want recognition and, and, and you want people to notice you or anything like that, go back to verse 1 and verse 2. Because living a life that's a living sacrifice to God, you're not caring about what other people think. You don't want to be noticed. That's not your motivation. Your motivation is, God, I just want to serve you. And if that's your heart, if that's where you're at, you pray, God, help me. Help me to just, 
I, I, I want to know what I can do to serve. I want to know. He's going to answer that prayer. It comes from the right place in your heart. So if you don't know what your gifts are, pray. Just pray, 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 and God will answer that prayer. So that's number one. First and foremost, discover your spiritual gift. Discover your spiritual gift. I want you to, if you don't know, I want you to think about your passions. Think about what are you good at? What has God given you a passion or a desire for? And then think, is there a way that I can take this and serve God with it? Is there a way that I can take this and serve the church? I mean, I just want you to think about all of the opportunities that there are to serve God. That, I mean, anything that God has given you, anything that you enjoy, any desire that he's given you, there's a way to take that and to serve him. So discover your spiritual gift. Now, listen to what Paul says to all Christians. Again, everybody that's a Christian, he says, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Humility. You have got to be humble. Now look, this doesn't mean that you see yourself as low or unimportant, right? You don't walk around going, oh, I'm just so, I'm just so lowly. I'm just... I'm just, I'm not going to think of myself too highly. That's not, that's not what that means, all right? And it also means that you don't have a sense of false humility. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But, so my, my friend, he told me this story. One of the first opportunities that he got to teach at his church, he was teaching in a Sunday school class, old school Sunday school class. And he teaches this lesson, and this older woman approaches him, and she says, your son, that was... That was so good. That I just, I really, I really appreciate what you just, you were obedient and it was so good and it just touched me and thank you. And he looks at this old lady and he says, oh, God uses the weakest of vessels. And she just goes, learn how to take a compliment. Like, that's, that's not, that wasn't humble. That wasn't humble of him. He knew that it was good. He knew it was a good lesson. All he had to say in the moment was, thank you. Just say, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. You don't have to be this falsely humble and this, oh, I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm no good. That's not me. Humility is thinking of others before yourself. Humility is not being prideful and arrogant. And God says in his word that he hates pride. Proverbs 8.13, it says, The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So, again, if you're thinking about, oh, I want to use this gift because I want recognition. I want people to know my name. That's arrogance. That's pride. And God hates it. You need to repent. He says, you need to have sober judgment of yourself. Sound judgment. You have to have an accurate judgment of yourself. What this means is you need to be in your right mind. You need to have a right estimation of yourself. And the right estimation of yourself as a Christian, first and foremost, is you're a sinner saved by grace. That's it. You are a sinner saved by grace. You have no grounds for boasting at all. None. Your salvation, your gifts, everything you have is a gift of God. First and foremost, we've got to remember that. So you can't exaggerate or think proudly about who you are, about anything that God has given you, because God has given it to you. You understand? That's it. It was a grace of his that he bestowed on you. So if you're thinking too highly of yourself or too, or too low of yourself, what the Bible is saying is you're out of your mind. 
you're not in the right mindset. That's wrong. And we don't want to be that way. We want to think appropriately of ourselves and have sound judgment. You can't live in, in an illusion about who you are, about your capabilities. You have to have an accurate view of yourself and have an accurate view of your spiritual gifts. When you discover your gift, you need to understand what it is. You need to be humble. Don't think too highly of it. Now, there are several wrong ways to think about your spiritual gift, and we're going to go through some. First and foremost is this, thinking about your gift in arrogance. Using a gift pridefully, using the gift in order to gain popularity, wanting the world to know who you are because of something that God has given you. And this causes you to look down on other gifts And then there's having false humility. False humility, it's being aware that you're talented at something, but then just pretending like you're not. It's like any anytime somebody gives you a compliment, you say, oh, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. Oh, no, that was nothing. Oh, that was terrible. I mean, imagine going up to Pastor Mike after a really great sermon and saying, Pastor Mike, that was a great sermon. And he was like, no, 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 that was no good. That was no good. It's like, no, it was good, because all your sermons are good. What are you, it's like, that's false humility. That's, that would not be right to do, and that's not what uh, the attitude that you should have. False humility, what it really wants, is it wants people to come alongside and stroke your ego. That's the point of that. You're, you're wanting people. That's why you say, oh, that was no good, because you want people to say, no, it was so good. Keep your head up. That was the best thing. You're the best thing. That's what false humility is trying to get out of other people. That's a wrong way to use the gift that God has given you. And then another wrong way of thinking is, is knowing that you don't have a visible gift. Now, when I say visible, I mean there are certain gifts that are just desirable, right? We've talked about singing, teaching, anything that's up front, right? We have this selfish desire to, to want that, to want, people, uh, to want for people to notice us. So a, a wrong way of thinking, is knowing that you don't have one of those gifts, but faking like you do. That's wrong. And, and that's self-explanatory. I don't really think I have to explain that any further. You don't want to be living a lie. Well, I mean, what are you doing? You're just trying to, to lie to everyone so that they think that you can do this thing or you're so good at something, but you're not actually that good at it? Like, that's just not the way to live. That, that's, that's coveting. That's jealousy. That's... That's not being content with what God has given you. So you can't fake it. And then, there's another way of wrong thinking, and that's being ashamed of your, we'll call it, behind-the-scenes gift. Not, a, not an upfront, not a visible, but a behind-the-scenes one. Right? It's being ashamed of it, and so because you're ashamed of it, you don't use it. Because you're so jealous, because you want another type of gift, you're not content with what God has given you, you're going to say, well, whatever, I'm not going to use it at all. It's not, that's not the right thing to do. You've got to use the gifts that God has given you. And then, bottom line, not using your gift at all. It's kind of in the, in, in the same line as what we just said, but if you're just not doing anything, if you're not even thinking about this, you're not even thinking about serving God, serving the church, that's wrong. That's so wrong, especially if you claim to be a Christian and you're not concerned about this. It's just wrong. God gave you a gift and you need to use it. He expects you to be a good steward of the gift that he's given you. 
being a good steward isn't just about money. It's about anything that you have. You've got to be a good steward about it. God has purposefully gifted you. He did it on purpose. You understand that? So whatever you're good at, whatever, the, whatever desires you have, you have them because God purposefully and intentionally gave it to you. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a random drawing. It wasn't like he just did it all randomly. Psalm 139, it's a really famous passage. You've heard it. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We can all say this because that's the truth. God knitted you together in your mother's womb. He formed your inward parts. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So whenever you say, oh, I I wish I had something different. I wish that I was this instead of this. What you're saying is, God, you messed up. You messed up with me. You should have done better with me, God. That's prideful. To tell the creator that you messed up when you created me. You need to understand that God created you on purpose. And look, this goes, this goes far deeper than spiritual gifts. This, this goes for who you are. He created you on purpose. We've got to remember that. If you don't like yourself, if you wish that you were different, if you're looking at someone who's more popular or something, just, just stop. That's because God, he created you the way that you are on purpose. So you don't understand that he gifted you on purpose and he wants you to, he wants, he wants to use you like we talked about so much before already. And it says that you need to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. This does not mean that God has given different degrees of faith to different Christians. This is not saying, you can't walk around and say, oh, God gave me more faith than you. That's not at all what we're talking about. Saving faith is not measured out differently to Christians. It's important to remember that. You have not been given more or less faith than other Christians. This faith that we're talking about right now, it's the kind of faith that it takes to actually use the gift that God has given you. He's given you a gift, you have to use it. And sometimes, every time, it takes faith to do that. God has not given you a gift and then not equipped you with the faith that it takes to carry it out. You understand? Number two, think rightly about your gift. Think rightly. So think about everything we just talked about. The arrogance, don't think about it that way. False humility, get it out of there. Understand that it's important. Understand that you have an important part to play. You have to think rightly about it. Paul goes on and he says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So the human body, the human body has many members, right? Arms, legs, hands, feet, eyes, ears, nose. Those are the members of your body. And Christians, the church, We are one body united in Jesus Christ. So just like the human body, the the church, which is known as the body of Christ, is made up of many members who have different functions. 
Think about all the members of your body. They all play an important role. I want you to flip over with me to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read a lot of verses here. But it's helpful to understand. So it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I'm just going to read a little bit more. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, the, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together." Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The human body consists of many, many members. The foot cannot be disappointed that it's not a hand and say, oh, I'm not a hand, so I'm not a part of the body. That doesn't make any sense because it's connected to your body, right? It's there. The foot, I'm sorry, if, if your whole body, I like this, the, the picture, if your whole body was an eye, could you hear? No. Think about if you like your whole body was an eye. Like if just what is I don't know is that just like a giant eye or like eyes all over you? I don't know. But you wouldn't be able to hear or smell or walk <laughs> because you're just a giant eye. It, like it kind of it's silly, but that's the point, right? The eye can't say to the hand, "I don't need you." It doesn't make any sense because if your body didn't have a hand and your eye was just like, you couldn't grab anything. You couldn't do anything. You understand how all the parts of your body are helping each other. You need the, all of the members of your body. God created the body and he arranged it to be the way that it is on purpose. I mean, this is something that where, where people who just, the big bang and atheism and all that stuff, I'm just like, look at the human body. You can't tell me this is an accident. Everything about the body God created on purpose. It's purposeful. It's amazing. It's not random. He chose it to be this way for a good purpose. He chose your gifting. He chose you to be the way that you are on purpose, with care. I want you to think about this. Think about if, if everyone in the church, if the only gift was to sing, that'd be ridiculous. We wouldn't have a church. We'd have, I don't know what you would call that. It'd be weird. 
Think about if everyone in the church was kids ministry. I, <laughs> you wouldn't have, none of our leaders would be here. I wouldn't be here. I, like this, it's ridiculous to think about that. Who would teach? Who, who would serve? Who would give? Who would do these things if every one of you was like, no, 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 my gifting is I sing. The church needs all the gifts to move forward. Just like your body, you need all of your members. Now, I know not literally, we're here, we'll get into that, right? Like we touched on a bit already, there's this desire, uh, there's this temptation to desire these visible gifts, right? And, and they can seem like they're more important than the others, but that's not how God talks about the gifts. There's not one gift that's any more important than the other. In 1 Corinthians 12, 22, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I want you to think about your lungs and your heart and these internal organs that you have and compare them to your arms and your, and your legs. Your arms and your legs, if you work out, you're lifting, you can, you can probably bench a lot, you can squat a lot, right? When you compare that to a lung or a heart, the heart and the lungs seem weaker. Does that make sense? The way that the muscles are used. But you can live without an arm. You can live without a leg. You can live without your eyes. You can live without these things. But these internal organs, these ones that seem weaker, are indispensable. Like try living without your heart or your brain. <laughs> it's not going to work. I want you just to, to think, about, think about this ministry. Think about the bridge tonight. Here, with different kinds of gifts, right? We've got the band that was up here. Great job, by the way, guys. Um, you know, you've got, just think about everything that goes on. You've seen the band. You've seen the guys that did announcement. You're looking at me right now. This is these visible upfront type of things, right? But I want everybody to turn around and look back there. Those guys. Without, without those guys, you wouldn't have that screen. I'd be having to yell really loud so you could hear me. It, it wouldn't be working as well as it's working, all right? Now, also, what maybe you didn't think about was these tables just didn't show up. I was here this morning, and the room did not look anything like this, okay? So without guys on the facilities team, shout out, Taylor. <laughs> without, without those guys... Honestly, like this place would be a mess. Think about how many different ministries in the church use all these different rooms. They all have to get flipped. They'll have to get cleaned, all of this stuff. If we didn't have that team, this room would be a disaster. It would be a wreck. And we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to enjoy it like we are right now. Understand? So these are, are you know, the way, the way that we think. These are these uh, weaker, behind-the-scenes gifts, right? Whenever you're thinking about, oh, I really want a gift, you're probably not thinking, oh, I really wish I could lift that table. But that's an important thing. It's very important. You understand? Those are indispensable. You can't think about gifting as, oh, this is more important than that. I'm better than you because I have this gift. Or, I'm not as good as someone else because I don't have that gift. That's the wrong way to think about it. No matter what your gift is, it is important. God gave it to you on purpose. You have an important part to play. So don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Don't think about it that way. 
Start thinking, God, you gave me this gift on purpose and you want me to use it. So, Lord, help me. Help me to figure out how I can do that. Help me. Show me where I can use my gifting. Please don't miss out on using your gift because you wish it was different. That's just, that's just a sad way to live. To be thinking, oh, I, I would be of more use if I had this or if I had that. Or, oh, I, I could do something you know, more helpful if I was this way or that way. No, that's not true. The Bible says it's not true. God says that's not true. You have a gift. He wants you to use it. Number three, understand that your gift is important. Understand that your gift is important. Paul says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. The church is blessed with different gifts. Even if you have the same gift as someone else, the way that you use it, the way that you are, is unique. Because not one person is the same as another person. Again, tech guys, there's what, four, four of you back there? Three or four, something like that? It's the same gift, but they're all doing things differently. They bring their own personality. They bring their own unique uh, style to the gift. Think about the people in the band. It's not exactly the same. So the church is blessed with different gifts. In uh, the gift that God has given you, it's a form of his grace. You've got to think about it that way as well. Because whenever you start to think about it as in, oh, I'm so great, I'm so great, so God gave me this gift, then you're going to abuse it. No, you're not going to be using it the right way. You're going to be prideful. It's not going to be good. You have what you have because of God's grace. It's a good thing. So again, do not boast about the gifts that God has given you. Don't boast about anything. Just stop it. Paul, he goes on and he gives a, a list of spiritual gifts. It's not exhaustive. There's not a single list in the Bible that goes in it and it lists every single spiritual gift that you could ever have. But he goes through. The first one he talks about is prophecy. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Now, prophecy means a few different things. Speaking forth. It's just speaking forward. And then it's the skill of public proclamation of God's word. And then you also have prophecy as the form of prediction of future events. Now, let's just be clear. And, and you probably picked up on this if you were listening to Pastor Mike's sermon this weekend. Right? As a church, we believe that the apostolic gifts have ceased. Okay? At the time of, of when Paul wrote this, when he was an apostle, right, there were some then and prior to prophets and everything that they were prophesying, predicting things in the future. Okay? So prophecy today is the proclamation of God's word. It's not predicting the future. Okay? The proclamation of God's word, speaking forth God's word. All right? And we're not going to get into that anymore because that's not the point of the text. If you want to talk about it later, Happy to talk to you about it, but we're going to move on. And then it says, in proportion to our faith. If prophecy, if the public proclamation of God's word in proportion to our faith, and that faith is the Christian faith, the Christian faith that we all adhere to. Preachers should use good doctrine. Good doctrine is according to our faith. You understand that? 
in proportion to our faith, doctrine that aligns with the Christian faith. So false teachers are recognized when they're teaching something that is false, right? And you know it's false because it's not in line with what Scripture says. So that's why it says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. So if you're preaching, if you're teaching, you've got to be careful to use proper doctrine. And then he says, if service in our serving. If you have the gift of service, then serve. This means practical service or literally ministry. This is not saying that if you don't have the gift of service, then you're free to not serve. Okay? Every Christian is called to serve, all right? But this is a, a special gifting of service. There was a, um, a teacher of mine. He was a Bible teacher and a pastor at the church I was at before. His name is Dr. Poole, Derwood Poole. That's such a southern name, Dr. Wood Poole. He, uh, this guy, no one serves the way that he serves. Nothing, nothing is beneath Dr. Poole. I mean, he's a, he's a doctor. He's a smart guy. He's an excellent preacher, excellent Bible teacher. But, you know, after the football games, he was the one who was walking around with a trash bag picking up the litter. He was the one who was staying after church vacuuming underneath the pews. Yes, we had pews. <laughs> nothing, nothing is beneath this guy. That's that special gift of, of serving that he has, right? Now, again, everyone is expected to serve. Don't just clock out, check out, and be like, oh, I don't have that gift. I'm out of here. Stop. If you leave, and that's what you're saying, and then you didn't listen to me, okay? This gift of service, it, it goes above and beyond just the average person. And I bet that if you look around the tables here, you're going to recognize, oh, I, I see that in you. I see that in you. The gift of service. Then it says, the one who teaches in his teaching. Teaching is the ability to interpret, clarify, and explain God's word, God's truth clearly. So pastors must have this gift. That's that, you've got to have it if you're a pastor. But it's not limited or reserved to pastors. Again, you can look around the table and you can say, oh, you know, you must have the gift of teaching because what you say in small group is really good. You help me understand scripture better when you talk. That's the gift of teaching. Now, this is a gift that men and women can have, teaching. Understand? It, it just has to be done in the proper manner, in the proper context, right? So we believe here, this church, that women can't be pastors, what the Bible teaches. But we have Stephanie Schwartz, right? And she teaches the ladies, and she's an excellent teacher, she has the gift of teaching, and she uses it to teach. Does that make sense? Okay. Teaching is different from preaching. Preaching is that public proclamation. Teaching is more of an informal, right? So think like sermon versus lecture, sermon versus small group, something like that. Some of you guys have the gift of teaching. Some can teach well but not preach. Some can preach well, and sometimes, it, sometimes it's just different, Okay. Well, it says, the, the one who exhort, exhorts in his exhortation. So this is to effectively call others to obey God and follow his truth. I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of someone exhorting you to follow God or to repent from your sin, but some people have this gift 
to lovingly come alongside you and just say, hey, what are, what's going on? I noticed that you've been doing this thing, that you've been, that you've been acting this way. That's not honoring to God. That's not, that is not what you need to do. That's the gift of exhortation to admonish and correct regarding sin, but not just the negative side of admonishing and, and correcting, but it's also encouraging and comforting in, in strengthening struggling believers. You've been there before, I know, where you're struggling and someone comes alongside you and they just say something and it comforts you. It helps you. You, you feel like you have this sense of energy that you didn't have before. That's the gift of exhortation. And then he has the one who contributes in generosity. Contributing is giving. Now again, listen to me very carefully. This doesn't mean that only those with the gift of giving are supposed to give their money. So if you're like, oh, I don't like giving, I must not have the gift. No, that is not right. Okay? Some people have uh, some people are in, are in more of a position to give. Some might have more money and they can give more of it. Some people are more sensitive to the needs that they see around them and they give towards it. You guys can think of people like this who are just always giving, 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 giving. That's the spiritual gift. Giving in generosity. Now, that's whenever you give, whether you have the gift or not, giving generously is important. Whenever you're tithing to the church, yes, everyone here should be tithing to the church. It's not this oh, okay, how much can I afford? I'm going to give this much and then this much and I can afford this. Give generously. That's what giving is. So giving in generosity. And Paul says, the one who leads with zeal. So leaders, pastors, church staff, ministry leaders, small group leaders, anyone in any leadership uh, position should lead with zeal. And zeal is having great energy and great enthusiasm. You probably wouldn't respect your small group leader if they showed up every Sunday night and they just seemed depressed. They didn't want to be there. If you're a leader in True North or the Narrow or Edge or something and you showed up and you didn't have energy and enthusiasm, those kids are not going to respect you. They're not going to want to be there. So if you have the gift of leadership, God expects you to lead with zeal, with energy, with enthusiasm, to be happy about it. And then the last one, it says, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I'm going to say it again, even though it goes without saying. This doesn't mean that only those with the gift should be doing acts of mercy. Right? This is... The, the person who is sensitive to the needs of others, who can sense when someone is suffering, when they're going through a hard time, and they come alongside you, and they help you. They're willing to help. They have resources to help. Who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, not out of obligation. Helping someone out of obligation, it's not real help. Helping someone because you're like, oh, I guess I should go do that. I guess I should help. That, that's not at all what God is desiring from his people. When you're doing any kind of act of mercy, do it with a smile. Be cheerful. Be grateful that God is giving you an opportunity to show his love and his mercy and his grace. That's the way we should think about it. That's the way that we should be moving forward and doing these acts of mercy. Is that it's an opportunity for you to show someone else the love of Christ. So be cheerful about it. Don't see it as 
what's the, an inconvenience. That's the word I was looking for. Don't see it as an inconvenience. I know that we can see it that way. Whenever you've got to be somewhere, you, oh, I'm going to be late. And then you notice somebody, somebody that's homeless, somebody that's, that you can just tell might need help. And you've got an internal struggle, right? Oh, like, I, I'm, I'm going to be late. Maybe sometimes you step in and you're only stepping in because you have some obligation. Oh, I better do this. Acts of mercy need to be done with cheerfulness. Obligation in these scenarios just does more harm than good. Be cheerful. Well, that's the end of the list that that Paul gives. There's other places to look. There's places in Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, other places that I can't remember right now. And even those are not exhaustive. You may be reading, and you may say, oh, I think that might be mine. I think that might be mine. And you may have more than one also. Some people might just have one. You might have several. I don't know. All up to God and how he chooses. Right? But you need to know what your gift is. You need to use it and be a good steward of what God has given you. First Peter 4.10, it says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. A bad steward is someone who doesn't use their gift. A bad steward is someone who uses their gift for the wrong reason. Just because you're using it doesn't make you a good steward. You have to be using it for the right reasons, the way that God expects you to do it. And then just not using the gift at all. That's so wrong. I mean, imagine if... Imagine if you needed a doctor. You were somewhere in public. You needed a doctor. There's somebody there who can save your life. Like, you're, you, you, need, you need chest compressions. You need CP. You need something. There's a doctor there who, who can do it. They have the gift. God has given them. They're capable of saving your life. But they were like, eh, I'm not going to do it. I know that's different, okay? But you see where I'm going with that. Be a good steward of the gift that God has given you. You need to use it. That's number four. Use your gift to serve God and the church. Use your gift to serve God and the church. Just think for a moment. I didn't even plan on on you guys announcing all those different ways to serve, but pretty cool if that happened. And that's not all. Think about all the ways that you can serve just from the four or five things that they said. And then think outside of that. I mean, just in this ministry alone, worship, tech, hospitality, which, by the way, we really need help with that. So please, help, help us out, okay? Evangelism, prayer, social media, care packages, birthday cards. Am I forgetting something? Somebody shout it out if I forgot something. What else? Do, is there some kind of other team that we're doing practically that I didn't say? Worship, tech, hospitality, evangelism, prayer, social media, care packages, birthday cards. And more. I don't know. And then, think about all the opportunities that you have to serve at Compass Bible Church as a whole. You think about, I mean, this is a big church, guys. There are a lot of people who come. And a lot of things that need to be done. I mean, I heard something crazy. Uh, it, It took, I mean, at least like 500 people to do all the Easter stuff. Is that right? Something like that? Think about that. 500 people the church needed to serve so that we could have those successful Easter events. 
what an opportunity for you to step up and serve. I mean, there's so many ways. Kids ministry, hospitality, welcome table, junior high, high school, the edge, you got babies, toddlers, prayer, set up. I mean, there's so many things that you can do here at this church. There's so many ways that you can say, God, help me to figure out what my gift is, and then the church has something you can do. And guess what? If you're like, I'm, I'm gifted in this, but there's not something that's already there, start something. You know, I, I don't know what that would be, but you can't just be like, oh, it's not on the list here that the church offers, so I guess I can't serve. Step up and say, I'd like to do this, because there's probably more people who would, who would do it with you if you said, we're going to do this thing. I didn't say the fix-it ministry. There's that thing that goes on. If you're good with your hands, we can fix things. On Saturdays, these guys get together and they just fix stuff. Did you guys see the tables out there, by the way? Did you notice that they're not like falling apart anymore? <laughs> Yesterday, the fix-it guys were out here and they sanded them down and refinished and did all the stuff. They painted the benches outside. I mean, thank you, whoever those guys are. They're serving. There's so many ways. So just think about how should you be serving? How can you be serving? What gift has God given you? And then use it. Use your gift to serve the church. That's what a life that's transformed by the gospel. That's our series. A transformed life serves. Uses a gift. Use the gift God has given you to serve God and his people for the right reasons. And the right reason ultimately is for his glory. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would be a ministry full of servants, that we would not be lazy, that we would be good stewards of the gifts that you've given us. If anybody doesn't know, if someone here has never thought about this before, God, I pray that, that they would be praying about it, that they would be asking you, starting tonight, God, what? Can I do what gift have you given me? How can I use this to serve you and serve the church, to serve your people? Help us to think rightly about it, God. Please keep us from being arrogant. Please keep us from being prideful. We want to please you with our lives. We want you to use us. God, if there's anybody here who thinks that they're not important, that they're not an important person, that their, their gifting isn't important, God, I pray that that would not be a thought in their mind anymore. That's a lie from the devil. It's not what your word says. Your word says that you've gifted us all for a purpose that you chose. You fearfully and wonderfully made us to be the way that we are. God, so help us all to be confident in that. God, to use our gifts to bring glory to you. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.